This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. What is Chalkboard Chat? It's an MPB education podcast. It's a variety show providing information and resources for teachers, students, parents, guardians, and everyday people on various topics. It's learning something new with every publication. Chalkboard Chat. Find the podcast or listen from chalkboardchat.mpbonline.org. Welcome to AutoCorrect, helping you correct your auto problems. Our host is Coach Charlie Melton, ASE Certified Master Technician. I'm Liz Gill. Hello, Coach Charlie. Hello, how are you doing? I am doing great. I hope you're doing great. Well, all that rain went out and nobody got hurt, so that was great. Uh, yeah, somebody got hurt, or at least their car got hurt in a couple of intersections I saw. A lot of wrecks. Yep. Okay. When someone talks about the front end of a car, what does it mean? It, and here's a hint that I learned. It doesn't mean the bumper, even though that is the frontest part of a car. That's not the front end. So we're going to let Coach tell us about front end repairs and other maintenance issues. So talk us through the the, the systems or the components, because if somebody says, I need some work done on the front end, what are they talking about? Well, in today's cars and even older cars, when you talk about a front end, you're talking about the suspension and the steering system in the front of the car, from the steering wheel down underneath the car. So front ends, you got shocks or struts now, and you got coil springs or shocks with coil springs on them you have tie rod ends inner and outer tie rod ends you got a rack and pinion for the steering you got um upper and lower ball joints so that is on the steering knuckle you have uh maybe you have a damper on the front that's another type of shock for the steering you got um tie rod ends like i said you got upper and joint you got Bushings. There are so many different things on That's the front end. That's quite a checklist. Yes, there's so many things on there, but I think a lot of people neglect the front end. Uh, it starts making noise. It starts uh, veering to the left, to the right, and the wheels, uh, the tires start wearing out, and they just don't pay attention to it until it breaks up. Prevented, preventive maintenance and well, catch it early. Well, I don't know how many times that you've been driving down the road and you saw a vehicle on the side of the road where the front wheel had come off. <laughs> and what happened there is that the ball joint went bad and it came out of the socket. It fell on the ground. You're stranded. I, I, I feel so bad for folks when that happens. I don't know. They make those YouTube videos where... I don't know, sometimes. Let's don't even get into the YouTube videos. Okay, so you you just named two dozen mechanical components. Is When we're talking front end, is it all mechanical, or are there computer modules that also control things? Well, in the day society, on the cars, the technology you're talking about, maybe angle sensors, that means where the angle of the steering wheel is. Okay, you need that for lane assist if you're moving from one side to the other. Uh, you need it for your electronic steering. No longer do we have power steering with hydraulics. We use electric, so now they got to use that steering angle for that uh, rack. So there's a lot of different electronics, uh, maybe wheel speed sensors on the front end. So there's a lot of different things on there that as a do-it-yourselfer, maybe you're not going to be able to do this all on your own. But there are... 
Since it is mechanical, it would seem like there are a lot of things a do-it-yourselfer could do if they could get to it. If they could get to it and they had the correct tools to work on it. So I think that would be the thing because most front ends, you had to lift the vehicle up in the air. You can use um, floor jacks, but most of the time they're lifted up in the air. The wheels have to come off of it, and then one component has to come off to get to the next component. And I'm assuming you can't do all this with a crescent wrench or a Phillips head. <laughs> no, you had to. There is a lot of specialty tools for front end work, uh, and that's why you have just shops that do front end work because there are a lot of specialty tools in that system. Well, let's start. Let's start back, and as soon as we notice something or something is called to our attention is wrong, we'll we we will get we will get it fixed. Everybody, say it with me. When there's something wrong, we will get it fixed. But is there anything I can inspect on my vehicle or things I should be paying attention to so that if it starts to happen, I can go? Oh, what? Stop. I need to get this fixed. Well, the first thing, if you hear any noise when you're driving the ro- down the road, if the vehicle's going up and down where it's a bumpy ride, uh, or if you hear a noise when you're turning the wheel left to right, uh, that's usually the sign of a strut, okay? So you want to get that fixed as soon as possible because that strut will wear out the tires, and that's another thing. You can look at your tires. Uh, they always have a wear pattern on them. If it's out of alignment, maybe the toe is out of alignment or the camber or the caster. One of those could be out of alignment. Or, you know, the easy thing, maybe even a wheel may be out of balance. Once again, front end, Okay. Uh, we have, uh, you can make, there are wheel bearings that are in the front end that, um, matter of fact, if a wheel bearing goes out, it sounds like a jet airplane taking off. Faster the vehicle goes, louder that sound gets. And it's just a steady sound. Slower it goes, it's like a grumble, growling. So those are things, noise. Uh, you can inspect uh, the wheel, the tires or anything like that. You want to make sure that you are looking at the car, that you are you know, a lot of times people get in the vehicle and says, well, my car is making noise. Well, there's a lot of things that could be making noise in that front end. What about uh, leaking? Could things, are there, is there anything that could leak? Well, we're getting away from uh, hydraulics and the hydraulics, the only thing that was leaking at that time would have been the power steering pump or maybe the rack and pinion. Now we've gone to electric motors on the power steering without a hydraulic pump. So we're getting away from that. So it's not the older cars, you'd probably see some leaks, but not on the newer cars. So in the, the TV shows and the old movies, they like used to bounce a car. Can you do you bounce a car anymore or does that tell you anything? Well, you can still do the that's a bounce test. And what that is that you push on the front of the car down, you push it down. And you got to be very careful not to dent the vehicle now, but you'd push it down. And if it. Went up and down, you know, two or three times and stopped. It was good. But now if it just kept going up and down, well, you know, you need some struts or shocks. Most vehicles today have struts. They no longer have shocks. And the difference between a strut and a shock is that a strut has it's a three-component thing. It has a mount uh, right at the top of it. It has a spring, uh, like a coil spring, and then it has the shock all combined. A shock is just the shock itself. And and then the other parts are individual. So many parts. There are a lot of parts and a lot of things to look for. And when you're looking, you know, when you're working on a front end, you have to be very careful because you need to make sure that vehicle is very stable 
because, like I say, you may have to – most vehicles now, uh, the upper control arm, where you're, if you're changing the upper ball joint, you would change the whole control arm, okay? And that is the top part that controls the wheel. The lower part, a lot of pieces have to be pressed out. That means you got to use some type of press to knock that ball joint out and press it back in. On the older cars, you could just take some um, – they were riveted in or they were bolted in. Wasn't as hard today. Some of them were very hard. So, what's a good way to see if your vehicle pulls to the side? What were if you were going to take a car out and test it to see if it pulls to the left or to the right? What kind of surface would you look for? What 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 kind of situation would you do? Well, you want to be on a level surface and. Uh, even uh, like just driving down the highway, and when you let go of your steering wheel, that vehicle should go straight down the road, regardless. Okay? Even without the assist, <laughs> turn the assist off so yeah, that you can turn the assist it. off. It, it should go straight down the road, and if it starts to veer after a while, that's normal. But if it just automatically veers to the left or veers to the right, then you have some type of alignment problem. Now. There's another thing. Uh, people think the roads are flat. Well, the roads, none of them are flat. They are. They got a crown on them, and then your alignments are done in degrees. You know, so they're going to be. They're not going to be zero zero. They're going to be within a degree or so in order for them to go straight down the road. So much to learn. Let's go ahead and take our first call. Let's go to Bob from Hattiesburg. Bob, we're so glad you called in today. What's your comment or question? I got a question, and maybe a Coach can just comment on it based on his experience. There's a tremendous amount of marketing of electric cars right now. Matter of fact, a lot of the major car makers have said they're not going to produce gasoline cars within a 5- to 10-year horizon. What do you think that's doing to the current sales of new or used gasoline-powered cars? Are people hesitant to buy something that might be obsolete? And, um, you know, what about resale value of, of, um, of, let's say, a new gasoline car in the future? Is that damaged? And and what about the repairability if everything is electric and there's not going to be anybody to work on gasoline cars what, what's uh what's your point of view on that and, and how do you think it's affecting current car sales i'm wondering if a lot of people are just sitting on the fence right now well i was thinking about that uh, uh recently about how the electric car is going to affect the gasoline industry until they really come out with all the infrastructure the gasoline cars are still going to be there they're not going to do away with them they're still going to have to have technicians to repair them because you got to think about a lot of the cars on the road are, are between 7 and 10 years old because people can't afford to go out and buy that electric cars that are fifty and seventy and $80,000. They can't do it. So they are still going to sell some cars. Now, I went to a Toyota dealer the other day to have a young man look at a vehicle, and when we looked at it, he got a 2012. So now you understand that's 10 years old. He's, he's buying one from a dealer that is 10 years old. If you think about the electric cars today, what they have out there, what they're promoting until GM and Ford and Toyota and Honda really get out there and start pushing those cars, they're still going to sell those electric cars. But I have noticed is that, you know, cars come out, they change car brands uh, years in September. I still see a lot of the dealerships selling 22 model vehicles, not 23 models. 
Now, I don't know if that has anything to do with it. Maybe that was supply and demand. They got so many left out there. But don't see a whole bunch of 23s. I see a lot of 22s. So your guess is probably as good as mine until they get all everything together, until they get all the infrastructure together. Those gasoline cars are going to be out there for years. Well, and I would think that it's hard to distinguish one factor from another because there's also inflation and interest rates and you know, so many different things. I, I don't understand market dynamics. Well, I will give you a good uh, thing. When I read the other day, this guy had a um, he had an electric car. It had set up for a year. Well, when it set up for a year, that big battery, that uh, very expensive battery, died. It was no longer any good. I don't know how old the vehicle is, but his uh, he was told he needs to go back to the manufacturers because manufacturers have a longer warranty on those batteries. But still, that's the main part of that car. Uh, I was reading the other day is that a battery for a Ford truck is almost 5,000 pounds itself, more than the motor if you had a gasoline motor. They, we're, it's a time of flux for cars. Time of change. Time of change. That's it. If you've got a question, send us your emails. That address is auto at mpbonline.org. We're talking about front-end issues. Is your car under recall? I've got some that are next. You're listening to AutoCorrect with Coach Charlie Melton. I'm Liz Gill. If you want even more AutoCorrect, find our podcast on all podcasting platforms for your smart device. AutoCorrect is heard on MPB Think Radio Thursdays at 10 a.m. with a replay Saturdays at 11. So here are some recent recalls. 2019 through 22 ascents improperly installed a, and I'm sorry, PTC heater ground bolts that have a fire risk. So if you have an ascent, that's a 2019 to 22, check to see if you've got the recall and you're advised to park your ascent away from structures and to avoid leaving it unattended while the engine is running. If you notice or smell smoke coming from the dash or driver <laughs> footwell area, stop operating the vehicle and turn the ignition switch off. <sighs> Who makes the ascent? Is that a Honda? Uh, no, that's no. not a Honda. That is one uh, like Kia. Oh, okay. I do believe. Uh, Ram is recalling its 1,500, 2,500, 3,500 trucks for unintended tailgate openings. Didn't they do that on a Mythbusters? Like, how much better gas mileage did you get if you had a tailgate, tailgate open? Yes. Okay, anyway, you, but you need to find out if your car has a past recall. You just go to the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration's website. That's NHTSA, NHTSA.gov slash recall, and just put in your VIN. Or the easiest thing to do is get their free Safer Car app and just put all the VINs in that app so that you'll be notified. We're talking about front-end issues, but we're also taking your other vehicle repair questions. Our email address is auto at mpbonline.org. Oh, it's a Subaru Ascent, our fact checker from our crack team of uh, Jay White Googlers. Thank Good you. Good job. Um, let's take an email first. Okay, so... Uh, uh, Coach, here's an email from Jay that says, I have gotten a $2,154 cost from a local car dealership to do an oil pump reseal 
oil pan gasket, lower timing cover, and full timing belt service on my 2001 Honda Civic. Is that a reasonable price, or should I shop around to another local car dealership or find a local mechanic that could do that work? Well, the first thing what they're doing, they're putting you a uh, timing belt on it because all of that has to be done while they're doing a timing belt besides the oil pan. So the oil pump seal, all of that is in that area. And matter of fact, the water pump is in there as well. And they should do a water pump, replace that water pump as well because it's behind that timing belt. Now, um, I would maybe shop around at another dealership or something because why do you need all these seals? Because if you think of why would you need an oil pan gasket if it's not leaking? Because when they do the timing belt, they're going to remove the front cover and it has a seal in that front cover and they're going to replace it. And right there where it goes into the oil pan, they'll replace that as well. And usually you can get a average for job for a, a timing belt is probably about $1,500. And this is... Is this an electronic? There's no. Is there any electronics in this that would need you to go to a specialized dealer, or could a trusted, reputable uh, mechanic uh, handle this? Yeah, this does not have to go to a dealer. You could take it to if you know a technician out there that is trustworthy and has the equipment. This can be done easy. Okay. Then they also, gosh, have we gone through these myself? Uh, Jay says. The lining inside my car roof is peeling down. Is that a do-it-yourself repair, or do I need to find someone to do the repair? Like, can I glue it back down around the edges? No, because what it's going to do, it's going, it has to be stretched. It's a piece of cardboard that's at the top, and what it needs to do, it's a cloth. It has to be stretched, and it is glued on there. Uh, what you need is go to a postry, a good automotive postry, and they can do a headliner for about 150 to $200. Because oh, yeah. I've tried the spray glue and I've tried the safety pins. Yeah, you can put it. Tried all of that, and Jay, it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, you can put a brand new uh, headliner in there for about a hundred fifty, two hundred dollars, and take it take a day to take care of that for you. And then your husband gets mad because he's taller than you, and it always hits him <laughs> on the top of the head. <laughs> Well, let's uh, do another email. Here is a, another question. Okay, this one goes back a couple weeks. Uh, no, wait. Which one do I have? Okay, this is, um, okay, the Jeep. Let's go. 2014 Jeep Grand Cherokee two-wheel drive. The dealership suggests not to change the transmission fluid, even though the owner's manual recommends changing it at 120,000 miles. They keep telling me it's not your average transmission, and I could risk getting trash in the line if I changed it. What would be your recommendation? Well, I already said something earlier about uh, changing transmission fluids in older vehicles. Uh as that transmission wears, it does the oil or the fluid gets thicker, and the transmission gets used to that, and the transmission runs according to how thick that fluid is in there. Now, you can change it, but there, I've heard a lot of times when people change that transmission fluid that they do have a problem with it. But if you're going to take it to the dealer and they said change the transmission fluid and you let them change the transmission fluid, well, then they're going to be responsible for it because... You want to make sure there was nothing wrong with your transmission before you started to change that fluid because, you know, they they have changed many different types of transmission fluids in different vehicles. 
you know, Honda changed theirs, Ford's changed theirs, GM's changed theirs. So the transmission fluid has been changed because what happens, people would change the fluid and then it would start slipping. Well, that was because now the fluid's not as thick as it was uh, when you started and they had to start over. So I'd just take it to a dealer and let them check it out. And if they recommend it, then it'd come back on the dealer. Great. Our email address where you can send us your questions is auto at mpbonline.org. Coach has been learning us about front-end issues between your car repair questions. What's in the news? I'm going to tell you that next. Thank you. Thank you for listening to AutoCorrect on MPB Think Radio. Coach Charlie Melton, retired instructor from Clinton's High School Automotive Technology Program, is our expert host. I'm Liz Gill. Man, we hope you have downloaded our app for your smartphone, the MPB Public Media app, and it is new and improved. It has lots of streaming now for our television stations and our kids' stations. And, oh, my gosh, you just it's the, it's the only app you need. Well, that's, I sort of think so because there's just so much on it. <laughs> uh, and you can make a contribution there. So if you haven't supported MPB during this Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, New Year's, Thanksgiving season of giving, we would love for you to make a contribution. Autocorrect is heard on MPB Think Radio Thursdays at 10 a.m. with a replay Saturdays at 11. So in the news from MDOT, we need to get our MDOT guy on here sometime soon. They have never veer for a deer. Break firmly and don't swerve. Uh, if you see one deer, expect to see more. 50% of crashes with deer are 5 p.m. to midnight. Use your high beams when it's safe to do so, so that they illuminate the deer's eyes. Buckle up, drive the speed limit, and avoid distracted driving. Coach, you got any uh, uh, deer in the headlights stories? Well, let me tell you one of my own that I just remembered. I was driving the school bus in Clinton, Mississippi about four years ago, and I'm just driving down, probably going the, uh, the speed limit. And a deer definitely going the speed limit. A deer runs out and it hits the door that you open and close with uh, kids in. Hit the door and busted the door while I was driving, and kids were on the bus. This is like seven thirty in the morning. Uh oh. Well, you had that emergency door in the back to get them out. I hope. Well, we didn't get them out. Oh, okay. Uh, just, you know, it just damaged the door, but it just came out of nowhere. We didn't see it. It just bang. Well, yeah these uh, these deer stories are something. Jay White, you got a you got a deer story. You got a family deer story. Anybody hit a deer, see a deer everywhere? A deer, deer. Not a whole lot of deer stories. All right. No, I don't have any wood to knock on here. But yeah. I, at church last night, I heard a guy talking about how a deer jumped out of an embankment, like in the middle of a Highway 80 intersection in Brandon. I'm like, that's in the middle of the city. Like, what is a deer even doing there? And just jumped out of there. And before he could even see it, it was into the side of his car and just just destroyed it. So, but I, unfortunately, I I don't know. I the, the, the worst situation I've ever had is trying to drive between Natchez and Jackson on the Natchez Trace at night. There's a reason the speed limit's like 40 or 45 or whatever it is. Because if you drive faster than that, you are, you are, that's dangerous. It is risky to drive 
I mean, it's it's like you're in the animals' territory when you're driving on the trace at night. <laughs> what are those safari tours? There's a reason the speed tours. limit is that low. It is <laughs> yeah. dangerous. Well, I will tell you that will uh, affect your front end as well. Uh, a lot of people, when they hit them, they come from the front of them. And now one of our, if you're doing a front end alignment, you have caster, camber, and tow. Caster is the way that the front wheels are set from the front of the vehicle to the back, how far they're set back. And believe it or not, a deer can do a lot of damage to your vehicle in the front because now you have the uh, radar uh, assist, the sensors, all that up front. They hit all that. It goes straight to a body shop, and you're going to be out some money. Folks, this is a true professional. Pull, bring, in, bring in the thread back around. When I go off veering in the wrong direction, he brings us back to our topic, talking about the uh, uh, the deers, or talking about the front end. Uh, we are talking about front end issues today between your email questions that you can send to auto at mpbonline.org. And, folks, Coach is brilliant, but uh, his brilliance is amplified by my ignorance. What is a <laughs> caster and a camber? Well, you got a caster, camber, and toe. That is when you talk about alignment. Um, the caster, like I say, if you damage the front end of that vehicle and you damage the um, cradle of the vehicle where the motor and all sets, you can make those wheels go back. Okay, well, that will change the way that the vehicle drives because the weight is changed and then if you're talking about camber uh if you see a lot of little sports cars out there where the rear wheels are leaned in or leaned out that is called camber okay all vehicles have it once again i told you that it's a certain degree that is one of the things where they will adjust in alignment but they don't have to always adjust in alignment if you're replacing struts on slotted struts sometimes they will have to readjust the alignment if you're doing front end parts that changes any way that that vehicle sits then you'll have to readjust the uh, caster i mean camera as well now toe if you think about toe toe is where if you think about your feet that you're pigeon toed well either they can be in or out and that way, that is the very last thing that they will align up on that vehicle. And most of the time, that's all they're lining up on that vehicle because that is keeping those wheels straight going down that highway. And you can tell if the uh, toe is out according to how the tire is wearing, if it's wearing on the inside or it's wearing on the outside. Same thing with caster, according to how it's wearing. Sometimes our callers veer us off topic, but I love this today. We want this to be an all-deer show. we got for 20 minutes. We could have an all-deer show. <laughs> Jeremy from Mobile, uh, tell us your deer story. All right, so um, I had, I had a, a, an incident um, a few years back. Uh, I was um, in the like middle of nowhere, uh, deer crossing signs everywhere, um, I was going to speed limit because I knew where I was. Uh, coming down the hill, I saw a big mama doe run across the street. So I slowed down, and as soon as she passed, I was like, all right, we're good. Her baby jumped straight through a little, little pointer, jumped straight through my passenger side window <laughs> into the car. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And, oh, yeah. So, I mean, thankfully, there's enough junkyards around that I could find a replacement window. But, man, those little those little boogers, they, they can do some damage, man. 
uh, especially he was running full tilt to to keep up with Mama. Right. Um, you know, Liz but, started uh, uh, Liz started off with uh, front end is just not a bumper. Well, we used to have those big bumpers that could knock those deer off, but you ain't got those now. <laughs> no, you don't. But I did have a question for you, Coach. Yes. Um, can you explain the difference between like just regular shocks and what they call coilovers? What's what's the what's the big deal? Why why does everybody want coilovers on their their sports cars and stuff? Okay, the coilovers you can raise and lower the vehicle. Okay, uh, you can put them over the struts. I mean, over the shocks, and you can raise the vehicle and you can lower the vehicle according uh, how far you want to go up and down. And all you got to do is just turn a few screws, and the next thing you know, it's going down. And that is the so reason. It's not like, that's well, great. So it's not, it's not like back in the day when we used hockey pucks to raise our trucks, right? <laughs> no, uh, it's not like that no more. You could raise it up and lower it by putting those coilovers on them. And, you know, the thing is, you get different sizes of uh, coilovers, and it's just according to what you want in there. You know, and how stiff you want the ride to be and, and stuff like that. How stiff you want it. And now, that's a lot of reason, uh, back to front end, that's a lot of reasons you see that the wheels are sticking out on the outside of the vehicle, on the back of the vehicle. You know, you've seen them where the tires look like they're laying sideways almost. Well, uh-huh. once, once again, that's because of the uh, struts, you know, because you can make those struts move and it'll put more camber. And what they did, they used that camber for race cars. You know, so if yeah. you're if you're well, going, yeah, if you're going around the uh, curve, they want it to hold, and that's what those will. That's what that camera is. Yeah, and so like when uh, when you're talking about uh, race cars, so like the uh, the the national uh, race sport where you're just turning in the same direction pretty much every time, they set them up differently so that you're basically pinned against that that that's right that right hand turn. That's right. Versus uh, like Le Mans, where they have to set it up to be able to go in both directions. Yeah, if you think about cars today, it's the same way. You know, um, that's that button that you can push in a lot of these uh, more expensive cars where you can say comfort ride, you want a sports ride. Uh, you can mm-hmm. change those. And then the, what's that? what that is doing is changing the stiffness of either the strut itself or changing the way the camber or something is setting in that car. Rock and roll, man. Uh, so how how uh, how difficult are those to install? Like, can I mean can can a, a shade tree mechanic do it? Or well, what's you, you got to understand about that. If you got the tools and you can raise that vehicle up high enough, you got to remove that strut to put it on. Okay, you know, and that's the Lock thing roll, is, man. if you remove the strut, you got to make sure. A lot of times, you remove the strut if it is slotted. Like I say, you'd have to go have it lined back up. All right, cool. Well, well, thank you, Coach. I uh, appreciate y'all's show. I, I really do love it. Well, thank you so much. Thanks, Jeremy. Yeah, the the only dear story I have is I had a, a family. We were swim team family. We had another swim team family that was coming back from Delta State or something, and they were on the highway, and they had a big minivan, and the deer, they hit a, the deer, and it went over the hood through the front windshield into the passenger seat of the driver and the driver passenger seat. Well, maybe he was hitching a ride. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that was that. Uh, I will always remember that story. Let's go to Steve in Gaucher. Steve, this welcome to AutoCorrect, the I hit a deer story time hour. What's going on? Oh, I didn't hit the deer, but it's like a story. You just 
talked about. Uh, back in the day, they had friends, probably big boys, about six foot ten, his wife too. He got first got him a new car that he fit in was an old light blue Ford station wagon. Okay, he hit the big got the deer hit, come through the windshield, went all the way back into the cargo area. Okay, the security you know went on, and then a little bit later, the deer was knocked out, or dead, or whatever he thought. All done with a busted windshield in their interior. That deer woke up later and tore that car in. He got out of the door. That deer was nothing out there. Tore that all the poultry out. Brand new car. The first new car they ever bought. Anyway, oh, my goodness. That tore all in. What did front end problem work? It was all interior. I hear that. Oh, my gosh. Well, Steve, I appreciate you sharing that question with us. You drive safe, okay? Yeah, y'all. Merry Christmas. Y'all. Oh, thank you. Merry Christmas. We are discussing front-end issues and taking your repair questions and taking your deer stories. Co- stories, too. Yeah. You can send us an email, auto at mpbonline.org. We have a new car review from Casey Williams coming up. He's got a Jeep Wagoneer. Now, I hope you guys enjoy listening to his car reviews, but he also posts these on YouTube auto casey on youtube and he does a little short clip for us that's just 60 seconds but he has like a three minute one so if you ever hear a vehicle review that you say hmm, that sounds interesting go to his youtube channel and you can see a much longer review this is autocorrect on mpb think radio whenever an automaker puts an l after its model name you know it's going to be a big vehicle and that's the case this week with the 2023 jeep wagoneer l that l means it's extended length you get three rows of seats inside and still plenty of cargo space in the back. And those seats are heated in the front, ventilated in the front, heated in the middle row seat. You've got a heated leather wrapped steering wheel. You also have screens and infotainment system for the middle row seat to keep the kids and family happy on long drives. Up front, you've got the Alpine audio system and all the crash avoidance systems. But underneath the body is where things get interesting. First, it's got an air suspension system so you can raise it up for off-roading or ride comfortably on the highway. And there's a 3-liter twin-turbo inline-six engine delivering 420 horsepower and 469 pound-feet of torque. Properly equipped, you can pull up to 10,000 pounds. Fuel economy is not bad. 16 miles per gallon in the city, 23 on the highway. So you're starting to wonder what this is going to cost. Well, the Wagoneer starts just under $59,000. As equipped, $82,105. Thank you for listening to AutoCorrect on MPB Think Radio. Coach Charlie Melton, retired instructor from Clinton's High School Automotive Technology Program, is our expert. I am Liz Gill. And hey, if you have missed any of our program, you can listen to the whole show on our website, autocorrect.mpbonline.org. AutoCorrect is heard on MPB Think Radio Thursdays at 10 a.m. with a replay Saturdays at 11. Hey, stay tuned after the show today at 11 a.m. It's Southern Remedies Kids and Teens with Dr. Morgan McLeod. I'm Liz Gill, but our expert, it's Coach Charlie Melton, ASE, Certified Master Technician. It's time for Coach Charlie's Tip of the Week. Well, as, as we're doing front end, we just want to make sure that if we have any abnormal wear on our tires, make sure that you take it to the alignment shop and get that front end checked. Great, great. And since it is the holidays, I wanted to let you know, yesterday was the first day of MDOT's 12 Days of Christmas. 
hashtag MDOT's 12 Days of Christmas. And they have signs. They had a competition. So if you you need to follow them on Twitter and on Facebook because they have a competition for the cute little signs that they put in some of the more populated parts over the interstate. Yesterday was Don't Leave Your Family Home Alone, Wear a Seatbelt. And today is Be Merry and Bright, Use Headlights. That is good. But don't use the high beams unless you're in a place where you can use the high beams. All right. Um, let's go to Mike and Hernando. Mike, we love that you called in, especially after Steve and Gaucher, because our crack research team uh, in, reminded us that uh, you can't get any farther apart, we think, than Gaucher to Hernando. Is that right, Jay? There are, there are just a couple of towns that are geographically south of Gaucher or north of Hernando. They're 320 miles in a straight line. 365 miles on the road apart from one another, but both within the border of Mississippi. Google says it takes five and a half hours. I think Coach said he can get there quicker. I, <laughs> you said you'd get there in a cool six. I could yeah. probably do it. I, well, and I have to stop to go to the bathroom That's and okay. buy snacks. Hey, right? hey you're, t- you're taking your time. <laughs> That's right. You, you took your time. All right, Mike, what's going on? Um, you're talking about hitting deer. Um, of course, we all have, and I did. Uh, in the late early 70s, I hit a coyote in Nevada out in the middle of nowhere, and I've never gotten over it. And I felt so bad because I thought, dang it, I shouldn't hit him because nothing was in sight around me for hundreds of miles. But anyway, the other day up here in, in DeSoto County, Craft Road is a major road through a huge rural area, gigantic fields and all that. Uh, three years ago, I hit a deer and smashed the right my right foot fender. But you know the funny thing was, it didn't make me mad about the deer. It made me uh, about the car. It made me mad about the deer. I felt so guilty. I pulled over and said a little prayer for him. <laughs> I felt so horrible because it hit the male. I mean, the male jumped in front of me, and then the female. I didn't see her, but she was falling. And boy, it was just a devastating feeling to have killed an animal that size. You're a good human, Mike. That's right. My husband hit a goose <laughs> once, and he felt really weird you know how do you hit a goose but i mean oh i know that you know how well, the, you know it's grievous you don't want to hit anything right, you don't want to hit right. nothing right well you and, never uh, know if you go, i'll tell you go ahead i'm I'll sorry tell you funny, a friend of my dad uh in uh, uh idaho was driving a brand new cadillac and he hit a uh burrow a donkey and of course he had the windows down so the donkey hit and came inside the car Filled it up with guts and everything, and he never got over that. Oh, I wouldn't get over that. Uh, okay, all right. Yeah. Uh, yuck, 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 yuck. <laughs> Sue, Sue, give us a different image in our minds. <laughs> Sue, we're glad that you've called in today. What's your question or comment for Coach? Uh, you're talking to me, hon? Yes, yes, yes. What's what's uh, what's your question or comment for Coach Charlie on autocorrect today? Uh, it's a question, hon. I'm so I'm still so grateful that I was listening to the radio passing through the state of Mississippi. It caught you. The do is this. I'm traveling across the country in a car that I'm breaking in. I bought it in July. It's a Kia Forte 2014. It suffers deceleration. I went several thousand miles, and it decelerates down to two and one-half miles per hour. It just cuts out. It, it continues to move. And then last night, that happened within like 2,000 miles apart, those incidents. And then last night, some 2,000 miles since the last incident. It decelerated down to 20, 
20 miles per hour. And that in that case, when I, um, after a few tries, when I depressed the accelerator, it caught and, and I moved across the country. But two mechanics have looked at it. The first one said, and that was not a, a Kia dealership, said that they thought it was a, a case of bad gas. Okay, the second time it happened, I was towed to a Kia dealership. What happens is I just sleep in the car because I drive a lot at night. And when I wake up, it works. And they tell me at, at Kia that unless they can put it on their detection system, while that is happening, they can't detect what's wrong. What do I do? Okay, so it's an intermittent problem. It's what you're, you're having an intermittent problem. There could be a ground short. There could be anything in the computer that is making that. Now, you understand this is a drive-by-wire vehicle. And when I say drive-by-wire, that means there's nothing but wires coming from the accelerator that you push on to the throttle body. That's all that's there, okay? It used to be linkage, but now all you're doing is controlling the air that is going in that vehicle. The computer is controlling the fuel, okay? As the computer is controlling the fuel, it is reading that pedal that you're pushing on, the accelerator. So it's reading that. There's a sensor down there. And what I would have them do is check that accelerator out and that sensor and see if there is a glitch in it. Now, once again, if it's, it, since it's intermediate, it's going to be hard to find. Uh, they can put a scan tool because I know, did you check engine light come on? No, nothing comes on. There's no, no other apparent problem at all. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So it's very intermittent. It could be something in that sensor as you're pushing on that accelerator, and it doesn't it doesn't read. Maybe one of those uh, contacts in there where it's coming through, or the slide is not working in that accelerator. But I would uh, definitely have that checked again as soon as it happens, and hopefully there is a check engine light that comes on in the uh, that is recorded, and it could be a history code, and then they could pull that out. But it's very intermittent. It could be a ground. It could be in that computer or that sensor on that pedal. Coach, what's so the difference a- between what Sue has said and limp mode? Uh, limp mode, I know, is something Coach has said before. Well, limp mode is the same thing. What the vehicle is doing is going into limp mode and it's telling you to take it to a shop. What it's doing is just sort of killing everything. It's only going to let you go to a certain uh, miles per hour, making sure that you're not messing the transmission up, just making sure you're not messing something up in that vehicle. And it it can reset itself. Once you cut the key off two or three times, it does reset itself. But if there's something wrong in the vehicle, it's going to come back on and go back into lip mode. Well, Sue, I hope oh, intermittent things. Good grief, that's hard. And I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I hope you have a safe trip while you're driving across the country. If you get uh, the MPB Public Radio app or you go to mpbonline.org/radio, you can listen live to Mississippi Public Broadcasting from anywhere in the United States or the world. We have 15 local call-in shows, Monday to Friday, 9 to noon. We love riding along with folks while they're, while they're traveling. We, we love our, our truck drivers and our uh, people who are just driving across the state on Interstate 20 or 55 or any of the, the, any of the interstates that are going around or 10. So we hope that uh, you'll continue to listen with us for the rest of the show. 
Coach, I hope you have a fantastic Christmas and a terrific New Year. Well, thank you so very much. Same thing. Well, let me say one more thing to Sue real quick. Is that uh, you want to check, have them check the connector. It could be corroded right there at that pedal. So have them check that connector as well. And Liz, just thank you so much. I've enjoyed the year. Uh, I hope that we have given uh, so much information out there that people have really enjoyed and they've learned a lot this year. I know I have. Yeah. Jay White, you're you're an invaluable member of the team. Yes, ma'am. Shout out to Interstates 22 and 59 also. Oh, yeah, right. yeah. Oh, yeah, 59. Oh, that's where all those tornadoes were. I know 59. I talked about that all day yesterday. <laughs> How about 84? Let's go down to Columbia, 84. Oh, and 69, the new one out of... Uh, <laughs> hey, we can go to 63, too. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Charles Arnold, our intern. We are so grateful to you and podcast producer Jermaine Flood. So for Coach Charlie Melton, Master Technician, I'm Liz Gill. Thanks for listening to Autocorrect. Merry Christmas. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.